Hello, my friends. It's time for Greenwich, a town for all seasons. Well, greetings and welcome to the 27th of May, 2022 Memorial Day weekend special episode of the Greenwich Town for All Seasons show podcast, hosted by me, Jeffrey Bingham Mead, a direct descendant of the 17th century founders of the town of Greenwich, Connecticut, long known as the gateway to New England. As always, I'm so glad you could join us for today's show. Now, founded on July 18, 1640, Greenwich, Connecticut is one of America's most interesting and extraordinary communities. This weekly podcast show is dedicated to exploring one of America's most notable and dynamic communities, a special place that we call home. Now, whether your roots go back nearly 400 years, as mine do here, or even 400 seconds or somewhere in between, whether you are here to stay or just passing through, we welcome you with open arms. You are a part of our history. We congratulate you and we are glad to have you here with us. Now, the Greenwich and Town for All Seasons show podcast is made possible by Peter F. Alexander, landscape architect of Site Design Associates, the Long Island Sound Institute, the Ambassador Museum, United States of America, Mr. Kevin M. J. O'Connor of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, and listeners like you everywhere. A very good friend of mine and also of so many here in the Greenwich, Connecticut community is Leslie Yanker. She is the publisher of Greenwich Free Press. You can learn more at GreenwichFreePress.com. She has posted all sorts of events that are coming up on Memorial Day 2022, a great lineup of parades, ceremonies, road race, beaches, and pool. So I'd like to share this with you. Now, on Saturday, May 28th, at 10.30 a.m., the Coscob VFW 10 112 wreath ceremony, the Strickland Road War Memorial across from the Greenwich Historical Society uh, over on um, on Strickland Road. Also, Saturday on uh, May 28th is the official opening of Greenwich Point and Byram Beach. Now, the pool area in Byram Park, according to, uh, to Greenwich Free Press, will open on Friday. That would be May 27th. That's uh, today. And uh, the ferries, by the way, will start to run on June 11th. Put that down. I'll tell you, the ferries are a great experience, and you can take the ferries out to Wineland Beach. It's one of my favorites, and I hope that it will be one of yours, too. That's going to be uh, starting on June 11th. Now, on Sunday, May 29th, At 2 p.m., the Byram Veterans Association will have its annual parade and ceremony. It starts at the Veterans Clubhouse. The Byram Veterans will hold their parade starting at the Byram Veterans Club promptly at 2 p.m. 
all veteran civic organization schools and groups are invited to march also on sunday may 29th at 5 p.m the glenville memorial day parade uh, will be held it's the ninth district veterans association and glenville volunteer fire company the parade route starts at glenville street by walker court and proceeds to the glenville firehouse after the parade there will be a brief ceremony and wreath laying at the veterans monument adjacent to the firehouse now on monday may 30th the jim fix memorial day run will be held that's the 5k race um and let's see it says let's see at eight uh, oh, uh, I mean, 5 a.m. And uh, kids, uh, the, the half-mile race will be at 9.15 a.m. You can register at runsignup.com. Uh, check-in uh, Greenwich uh, Senior Center. The race day check-in starts at 7 a.m. The 5K race starts by Elm Street on Greenwich Avenue. Uh, the revised 5K course runs through the streets in central Greenwich, including Bruce Park, and finishes on the uh, track by Havemeyer Field behind Greenwich Town Hall. The kids' run starts on the track following the 5K race. Now, on Monday, also Monday, May 30th, 10 a.m., the Old Greenwich Memorial Day Parade will be held. Give yourself time to park. If you are driving, there is a ceremony after the parade in Benny Park. Also on Monday, May 30th at 10 a.m., Eugene Merlot Park Veterans Memorial Grove service honors 13 alumni from Byram School who lost their lives in service to our country. The Memorial Grove at Eugene Marlott Park is uh, accessed by Sumert's Way near the Hamill Ice Rink. Also on Monday, May 30th, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., the American Legion Post 29 Dockside Memorial Service at Indian Harbor Yacht Club. And that's at Steamboat Road. The American Legion Post 29 Commander Peter LeBeau will make opening remarks and for selectmen Fred Camilla will welcome attendees. The keynote speaker will be the author and former New York State Lieutenant Governor Betsy McCaughey. The program will also include a posting of the colors by the Greenwich Police Department's Honor Guard, an invocation by Ukrainian Minister Ihor Mitzak, a rifle salute by the Byram Vets Honor Guard, the National Anthem, Pledge of Allegiance, wreath-laying in Greenwich Harbor, and the playing of taps. And also on Monday, May 30th at 1 p.m., the Chickahominy Reunion Association Ceremony will be held at the Veterans Memorial at Hamilton Avenue School. You can learn more about this by going online to GreenwichFreePress.com. Prolific and gifted, Judge Frederick Augustus Hubbard was a lawyer, he was a writer, and a gifted storyteller here in Greenwich, Connecticut. Hubbard's remarkable life spanned the end of the 19th century and the first third of the 20th century here in the gateway to New England. He used the pseudonym Ezekiel Lemondale when writing about what he called Cracker Barrel stuff, and his column, The Judge's Corner, was published in the Greenwich News. Now, we're indebted to Frank Nicholson, who collected Judge Hubbard's Greenwich News articles, and he published them in compendium form as Greenwich History, The Judge's Corner, 150 Vintage Newspaper Columns by Frederick A. Hubbard, selected edited and indexed by Frank Nicholson. Now, with Memorial Day rapidly approaching, I found a 
piece that he wrote. It was uh, published on May 28th, 1931. It's column number 110. Uh, and um, I'd like to, uh, to share the text of this with you. So sit back and relax and, of course, enjoy. Memorial Day observance, the first observance of the day in Greenwich in 1870 with outdoor exercises in front of the Second Congregational Church. Before the close of the Civil War, Decoration Day, as it was first called, was observed in several of the southern states. But it was not until 1868, May 5th, that General John A. Logan, then the Commander-in-Chief of the Grand Army of the Republic, issued a general order designating May 30th, 1868, quote, for the purpose of strewing flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion, unquote. The order also included, quote, the hope that it will be kept up from year to year, unquote. The name Decoration Day and its observers continued in some of the states until 1882, when the Grand Army urged that the, quote, proper designation of May 30 as Memorial Day, not Decoration Day, which, is a, which was adopted. Rhode Island made it a legal holiday in 1874, Vermont in 1876, and New Hampshire in 1877. By 1910, it was a legal holiday in all the states and territories except Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Texas. In Virginia, the day is observed as Confederate Memorial Day. The 3rd of June, the birthday of Jefferson Davis, is observed as Confederate Memorial Day in Louisiana and Tennessee. The 26th of April in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi, and the 10th of May in North and South Carolina. The first observance of Decoration Day in Greenwich took place in 1870. It was an unusual interest that pervaded the town. It was the subject of discussion for several weeks before the 30th of May. It fell on Monday, and the morning hours were obscured by fog and rain. The great flag suspended at the foot of Lafayette Place had wrapped itself around a pole. Like all the people, it presented no enthusiastic appearance. It was a listless, inanimate object, reflecting the disappointment on every face. For notwithstanding all the preparation, up to eleven o'clock it spelled failure. But at 11.30 o'clock, conditions suddenly changed. A breeze from the southwest drove away the fog, leaving refreshing air, fleecing clouds, and sunshine. George Gancy untangled the folds of the damp flag, and it caught the breeze and fluttered straight from the pole. Confidence and satisfaction were restored, and the people gathered from all parts of town and neighboring villages— made their way to the townhouse, which stood where now is located the soldier's monument. A meeting had been appointed for 1.30 o'clock, but long before the hour, crowds had assembled in and around the building. The committee of ladies had prepared garlands and wreaths of flowers, which were arranged upon a wide platform within the building. These flowers were used after the exercises to decorate the graves. The committee of arrangements for the day consisted of Lieutenant Benjamin Wright, Henry M. Fitzgerald, Isaac L. Meade, 
Nicholas Fox, William A. Baker, and William M. Rich. Mr. Fox, the last survivor of this committee, died in 1930. The Committee of Ladies to Supply and Prepare the Flowers was made up of 21, whose names are unrecorded. But it is possible, however, to recall the names of a few, such as Louisa S. Mead, widow of the major of the 10th Connecticut Volunteers, Mrs. Edward Mead, and daughters Amelia and Catherine, Mrs. Thomas Rich, Mrs. L. Nathan Houston, and Mrs. Ophelia Long, and Miss Hannah M. Mead. There was some delay in opening the meeting owing to the unexpected attendance. Benches had been placed in the townhouse in the belief that they would afford ample accommodation for all that would attend. But when Billy Trumbull, the janitor, opened the doors, a crowd of more than 500 people was ready to enter, and the capacity of the hall was not more than 150. Houston W.R. Hoyt, then 29, and who was afterwards colonel, as president of the day, directed a change in the plan to hold an indoor meeting and assembly and assembled the people in front of the Second Congregational Church. This seemed particularly appropriate, as it was on the same spot that the farewell exercises took place when Company I of the 10th Connecticut Volunteers departed in 1861. From the same retaining wall, Elevated above the assembly, Reverend Joel H. Lindsley had afforded a fervent prayer, and again from the same place in 1870, his son, Reverend Charles Lindsley, at the request of the chairman, offered a prayer at the opening of the exercises. Then the band played America, and the audience joined with enthusiastic voices. Although the war had ended five years before, every one of the enlisted men had survived except those who died at the front. There were no graves to decorate except those who had died in the conflict, and the chairman, in his eloquent address, very aptly referred to this fact in the following words. Quote, With full hearts and reverent footsteps, we will place the the flowers of spring on the graves of the dead soldiers, to whom it has been denied to seeing the crowning of their labors, who recall before the dawning of the morning radiant with the light of victory and peace. In closing, the speaker recited the following poem. Give them eternal rest, Father, with thee. On thy eternal breast, God of the free, there shall the thunders roar nevermore, nevermore rouse up amain. Theirs is that olden sleep, sacred and golden sleep, free from all pain. So sleep the dutiful, dreamless but beautiful, their duty done, and in the purple west, slowly to tranquil rest, sinketh the sun." Then, after a short address by Reverend Ezra Hill and more music by the band, under direction of Lieutenant Wright, Marshal of the Day, a procession was formed in the following order. First, the brass band of the 51st New York Regiment, then the Greenwich Light Guards under command of Captain Edwin Lyon. Next came the members of what were then called, quote, the Veterans of the Republic, unquote, bearing the flowers to place on the graves of their fallen comrades. 
then the ladies of the committee and carriages, and lastly the citizens of Greenwich generally. The procession first visited the cemetery of Christ Church, then that of the Second Congregational Church, the Catholic Church, and the Union, then on what was called Love Lane, now Millbank Avenue. At the Union grounds, a salute was fired from a cannon loaned by William M. Tweed, who was then in the height of his glory. The veterans then reassembled at the townhouse and passed a vote of thanks to the ladies of the town for their hearty sympathy, cooperation, and assistance in the work and exercises of the day. It was quite different from the present memorial exercises. It was more like a general funeral. To some, it was a day of anguish. Widows were young and orphans were mere tots. Black garments were abundant, and many a tear fell at the solemn words of the speakers. The veterans, a long line of them, swung off in a military step to the music of the band with the same vigor with which they marched away only nine years before. They were still husky young men born in 1839 and 1840. But after the occasion of 1870, a new generation came into being. Memorial Day lost much of his solemnity. To the young, war was only a tradition. They had never witnessed the open grave and the casket of a dead soldier, upon which rested a cap and an army sword. To them, life was bright and full of promise. Looking into the future, it seemed endless, and so against the remonstrances of the aging veterans, they made it a day of pleasure. It was given to sports, travel, dances, and feasts. A few are left to take part in the serious exercises next Saturday. In the place of somber dresses will be bright flowers and frocks of brilliant colors. The boys will go to the ball field, and a few there will be who have an actual memory of the solemn days of 61 years ago. And perhaps it is well that it is so. That was by Frederick Hubbard, and that was published in the Greenwich News on May 28th. 1931. Now, I want to add this. Uh, Nicholson said this of uh, Frederick uh, Hubbard. He said, quote, One feels after reading him that here was Greenwich's Renaissance man, traveler, sportsman, epicure, observer of the contemporary scene, arborist, botanist, critic, humorist, naturalist, an oracle, a profiler of people, a recorder of events, a describer of places, even a militant protester, uh, and a recorder of various aspects of Greenwich history. Now, my friends, Greenwich history, the Judge's Quarter, 150 vintage newspaper columns by Frederick A. Hubbard, selected, edited, and indexed by Frank Nicholson. It's one of my favorite books about Greenwich history, and perhaps it will become yours as well, if not already. You can find copies of this in the Greenwich Library, by the way, over on West Putnam Avenue at Deerfield Drive. Thank you so much. You're in for a pleasant surprise at Coffee for Good. Located in the 1856 Solomon Mead Italianate-styled stone mansion at 48 Maple Avenue behind the Second Congregational Church, Coffee for Good has quickly emerged as one of Greenwich, Connecticut's top coffee houses. Its success is driven by a never-ending commitment to quality, 
and inclusion. Coffee for Good shines as a unique nonprofit partnership between the Second Congregational Church and Abelis. It employs and trains people with disabilities through a self-sustaining platform so they can thrive in the community. The 1856 Solomon Mead House provides a 19th century style hip and unpretentious historical setting that evokes a setting filled with diverse people who are all inspired. Delightful staff, super friendly baristas, great coffee, pastries and more, Coffee for Good provides free Wi-Fi free parking, indoor and outdoor seating, with a relaxed local vibe that has become a popular study spot and destination for informal business meetings and gatherings. My friends, take it from me. The word about this gem has gotten around. Located in the historic 1856 Solomon Mead Italianate-styled stone mansion at 48 Maple Avenue, in Greenwich, behind the Second Congregational Church, all part of the Putnam Hill Historic District and listed on the National Register of Historic Places, Coffee for Good is open daily, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., except Sundays. You can learn more at coffeeforgood.org. Well, thank you, Kevin M.J. O'Connor, Vice President of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, knowledgeable in the complexities of the financial markets with a passion for servicing clients and their financial needs. My friends, learn more at jeffreymatthews.com or call Kevin M.J. O'Connor at his Greenwich office, telephone 203-485-7595. Again, that's Kevin M.J. O'Connor his Greenwich office at 203-485-7595. Right, this Memorial Day story was published in the Greenwich Press on Friday, May 29th, 1914. The headline uh, says, Up with American Flag, Pay This Tribute to Veteran Dead on Memorial Day. Plans for memorial services at school grounds and auditorium with decoration of graves to follow. Taps to be sounded at the Soldier's Monument. Four brave departed, dedication of tree, addresses and music on program. And the story goes on as follows. By the way, this is on page one, so it was a front page story. The story goes as follows. Every citizen of Greenwich who has an American flag, whether he lives in the sections where memorial services are to be held or in the farthest part of town, should display the national colors tomorrow in honor of the veteran dead and veteran living. It is the national holiday for the quiet giving of honor to the dead and respect to the living, and there is no other way in which the people of America may be may so well honor themselves and the Grand Army of the Republic as in displaying the stars and stripes tomorrow whether or not they remain in town for the holiday and take part in the appropriate exercises, the national colors should be floated from every home possessing an American flag. Where there are flagstaffs, the rule should be to run the flag to half-mast in the forenoon and to masthead for the afternoon. Especially interesting will be the memorial exercises this year. It will be a day of great activity for the veterans. They leave for Sound Beach 
on the 918 train and arriving there, they will participate in the, the splendid exercises to be given by the pupils of the Sound Beach School. The graves at the Sound Beach cemeteries will then be decorated. The exercises here will be held in the afternoon at 2 o'clock, although organizations which are to participate will form in line at the corner of Mason Street and Havermeyer Place at 1.30. The exercises are to begin on the lawn southeast of the Havermeyer School building. There will be music by Mertz Reed Band. Then the tree will be presented by the school, to the school, I'm sorry, by Lombard Post GAR Comrade Solomon Close of Stamford will spread earth from every state in the Union about its roots. George E. Byrne, secretary of the school committee, will make the response for the town and the school. Directly after the exercises on the lawn, the Post and other organizations and the audience will enter the auditorium. W.A. Waterman, principal of the Greenwich Academy, will be chairman of the day. The prayer will be by Rev. H.C. Whitney, pastor of the First Methodist Church. Interesting features will be a flag drill by pupils of the Havemeyer School, singing by the high school chorus under Dr. Martin, and music by the band. The memorial address will be given by Rev. John J. Burke of Glenville, a well-known speaker. The parade will form directly after the exercises in front of the school. Mertz Reed Band will furnish music. The parade will be headed by the borough police. Then will come the 12th Company, Coast Artillery Corps, CNG Boy Scouts, Armour Jerome Fire Company, Volunteer Fire Company, Paul Revere Council, OUAM, Mayan Mayano Tribe, Imp ORM, and Lombard Post GAR. The usual line of march will be followed to Union Cemetery, the Congregational Cemetery, and Episcopal Cemetery. Returning, a halt will be made at the Soldiers' Monument, where taps will be sounded by the 12th Company buglers. The parade will probably be one of the longest in years. Most of the veterans are to be carried over the route by automobiles this year, and for that purpose, the citizens of the town are loaning their automobiles. In order to ensure enough automobiles for their use, all citizens who desire to place their cars at the pleasure of the veterans should notify Mr. Waterman at once. Flowers should be sent to the Havemeyer School before 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And that was published in the Greenwich News here in Greenwich, Connecticut on Friday, May 29th, 1914. The following was published in the Friday, May 31st, 1907 edition of the Greenwich News. The headline says, Our Heroes Remembered, Appropriate Exercises in Town Hall and at Sound Beach. Reverend M. George Thompson delivers Memorial Day Address Parade in the Afternoon, Various local societies decorate graves of departed comrades. The story goes as follows. Memorial Day was observed Thursday in a most fitting manner by Lombard Post, GAR, that would be the Grand Army of the Republic, Company L, and by both fire companies. 
In the morning, the Grand Army veterans met at Sound Beach, where they were met at the station by 127 children of the Sound Beach School and were escorted to the schoolhouse where appropriate exercises were held. Reverend D.C. Eggleston presided at the occasion. The pupils of the school sang and gave recitations. In the morning, a committee of Company L, under command of Lieutenant Seaman M. Meade, decorated the graves of the deceased members of the command. Committees from the Amateur Realm and Volunteer Fire Companies visited the various cemeteries and laid floral tributes in or on the last resting places of their comrades who have passed away. In the afternoon, Lombard Post and Company L assembled in the town hall where exercises were held. The chairman of the afternoon was Edward Brush, who made a very interesting opening address. The invocation was offered by the Reverend Levi Rogers of North Greenwich. The principal speaker of the afternoon was Reverend M. George Thompson. He made a most patriotic oration, which was greeted with loud and continued applause. Miss Raina F. Barnes of New Haven known as the, quote, daughter of the regiment, unquote, because her father was a member of the 10th Connecticut, and she sings at all of the regimental reunions, sang several patriotic airs. She was encored again and again. Benediction was said by Reverend W.E. Schofield. At the close of the exercises, Lombard Post, escorted by Company L and led by Mertz Band, marched to Union, Christchurch and the Congregational Cemeteries, where the graves of veterans were decorated, taps sounded, and volleys fired by Company L. Refreshments were distributed at the town hall. Peter Kramer of the town building, it said it has been the custom for Lombard Post to provide its own refreshments, but this year Mr. Kramer secured from the friends of the GAR, again Grand Armory of the Republic, funds for the spread, and he gave one, such as only Mr. Kramer knows how to prepare. Veterans and militiamen alike were bond in their or loud in their praises of the repast and did amply justice to the meal. And again, that was published in the Greenwich News, Greenwich, Connecticut, Friday, May 31st, 1907. Site Design Associates is an award-winning landscape architecture studio located in historic Greenwich, Connecticut and founded in 1979 by its principal, Peter F. Alexander, landscape architect. Committed to a unique multidisciplinary approach to professional landscape design and development, Site Design Associates' ambition is to foster a sense of excellence that is second to none from analysis to construction and maintenance with 35 years of experience, coupled with a sense of place purpose, and history. Now, Peter F. Alexander is a member of the American Society of Landscape Architects. He's a graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design and a member of the American Planning Association. My friends, Peter F. Alexander and Site Design Associates is the title sponsor of the Greenwich Town for All Seasons show podcast, and we are very grateful for 
the support that we receive. You can learn more at sitedesignassociates.com. You can call Peter F. Alexander at 203-869-8632. Again, that's 203-869-8632. Or you can email him at peterA at sitedesignassociates.com. You are listening to the Greenwich and Town for All Seasons show podcast hosted by Jeffrey Bingham Mead. That's me, a direct descendant of the 17th century founders of the town of Greenwich, long known as the gateway to New England. The Greenwich and Town for All Seasons show podcast is made possible by Peter F. Alexander, landscape architect of Site Design Associates, the Long Island Sound Institute, the Ambassador Museum United States of America, Kevin M.J. O'Connor of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, and listeners like you everywhere. Thank you. My friends, the Greenwich Historical Society this year celebrates 90 years of service to the Greenwich community. Now, since its founding, the Greenwich Historical Society has represented Greenwich at its core, a town as firmly rooted in the nation's past as it is in shaping its future. Now, as an independent nonprofit organization, the Greenwich Historical Society receives no annual funding from the town of Greenwich or from the state of Connecticut. It relies on the financial support of more than a thousand annual members whose generosity funds its free and low-cost programs in education, the arts, historic preservation, and other community initiatives that connects our neighbors to the past and to each other. Now, my friends, uh, I... I, I would love it if many of you, so many of you, would become a part of this generous community of members. And I'd like to ask you if you would please consider joining the Greenwich Historical Society. It is a fantastic organization. It is open to all. And I would love it if you would join the Greenwich Historical Society as a member. Now, your membership will help support the programs that have served the community for 90 years, and they include such things as stewardship of the National Historic Landmark Bush Holly House, its American Art and History Collections, Landscaping Gardens, its education programs for local students that are available for every child in the Greenwich school system, including students at Greenwich's Title I schools, which serve a higher proportion of low-income students. Award-winning exhibits on art and culture, including a fall 2022 exhibit on the Greenwich paintings of American Impressionist John Henry Twachman, and a spring exhibit on a history of Greenwich sports and athletics. Now, my friends, as a member, you will receive uh, or your discounted admission to uh, the Historical Society's upcoming Discover Greenwich events, which includes walking tours, art classes, expert lectures, and workshops that celebrate the best of Greenwich's rich history and illuminate the stories that have made Greenwich the town it is today. Now, of course, these programs are only possible with the financial support of the Greenwich Historical Society's members, and I would love it and appreciate it very much if you would please join the Greenwich Historical Society. Now, you can learn more by going online to greenwichhistory.org. And if you have any questions, you can call the Greenwich Historical Society at 
869-6899. My next selection takes us to the year 1945, specifically to Monday, May 28th, 1945. That would have been Memorial Day, of course. This was published in the Greenwich Time and Greenwich Press that day. The headline states, Greenwich Honors War Dead on Memorial Day. Parade exercises to pay tribute to 5,429 in service. And the story goes as follows. A Memorial Day parade at 9.30 Wednesday morning will launch Memorial Day exercises here to honor 106 Greenwich War dead and pay tribute to the 5,429 Greenwich boys serving in World War II. The services, in addition, will honor the dead and the heroes of other wars. Harry L. Nado, I think, the scan is very bad, I'm sorry about that, Secretary of the Greenwich uh, Chamber of Commerce, announced that all stores in Greenwich will be closed. Similarly, an announcement from Town Hall said that all offices there would be closed for general observance of the day. Among other places reported closing is the Old Greenwich Library, the Greenwich Library, and all its branches. Although plans for the Greenwich observance have not been made public, participants in the Old Greenwich ceremonies will form in parade on Park Avenue, Old Greenwich, at 9.15. Beginning at Park and Lockwood Avenues, the line of march will be down Lockwood Avenue to Sound Beach Avenue, then to the First Congregational Church grounds, where the services will be held. Appearing in the parade... In the older, in the order named uh, of the Greenwich Police Escort, Police uh, Auxiliary, uh, Greenwich uh, Auxiliary Police, sorry, mass color bearers and state guard members of the American Legion, um, let's see, Escort of Honor for Honor Roll, veterans of the uh, of World War II, the Sound Beach Fire Patrol, the Sound Beach Fire Department, the Greenwich High School Band, the official, the official, let's see, the Lions Club, Men's Club, uh, Riverside Brownies, Riverside Girl Scouts, Old Greenwich Brownies, Old Greenwich Girl Scouts, Boys Club, Drum and Bugle Corps, Children from the Riverside School, Old Greenwich School Children, Riverside and Old Greenwich Cub Packs, Riverside and Old Greenwich Boy Scouts, Riverside and Old Greenwich Sea Scouts to be followed, by the rear guard escort of Greenwich Police. Mrs. Rector K. Fox, chairman of the blood donor service of the Greenwich Chapter American Red Cross, will speak during the Old Greenwich Memorial Day services. A wreath will be placed at the base of the town honor roll. Religious services will be conducted by the Reverend Vincent H. Daniel, pastor of the First Congregational Church of Old Greenwich, who will be assisted by the Reverend Victor Menard and the Reverend John Hawkins. A pageant, Ballad for Americans, will be presented by the children of the Riverside and Old Greenwich schools, and a roll call will be made by the American Legion. In Greenwich, a volley will be fired at the Civil War Memorial on East Putnam Avenue, with services being conducted at the World War I Memorial in front of the post office. Among those meeting tonight to discuss plans for the Memorial Day service will be representatives of the Raymond C. Bowling Post 
number 1792 veterans of foreign wars who will meet at the club room on Arch Street. And again, that comes from the Greenwich Time and Greenwich Press, May 28th, 1945, from on pages one and continued on pages seven. All right, the next selection that I have for you comes from the Greenwich News and Graphic. This was published on Friday, May 30th, in the year 1924. It's an editorial uh, that was uh, published. The editor of the Greenwich News and Graphic was a gentleman by the name of John Ruddemeyer, uh, and uh, M. Edward Hegarty was the general manager. So um, I, I wanted to, uh, to share this with you. It's the first of the editorials, actually, that I've shared on today's uh, show. I think that you will find this interesting. So um, it's titled Memorial Day Thoughts, and it goes as follows. This is Memorial Day. The new flowers of the year are being laid upon the graves of the men who placed their lives in the balance in order that these United States should be one for all time. Many of the heroes that have been honored died in the fierce rage of battle, others in hospitals from desperate wounds. Many of the effects of prison life while still others joined their silent comrades since Grant and Lee made the great peace. But all took the supreme risk, and all rest in equal honor. Each year we arrange and rearrange our words of praise and gratitude to the aged veterans. But all of our words come to the same thing in the end. The flowers are fresh each recurring year, but the feeling with which we pay our annual tribute of gratitude and reverence, is the same old one, and the words to express this feeling are also the same ones. The devotion of those who are dead and the gratitude of those who are living are the beginning and end of the underlying story. The day is not designed to keep alive the issues of the war of more than 60 years ago but simply to pay homage to those who fought and died for their country, or who have died since. The decreasing ranks of the surviving veterans are full of pathos and are illustrative of the passing of the generation of vigorous men of the times of the Civil War. More than one generation has come into full manhood since the days when the veterans of today were the bone and sinew and the strength of the nation. New men have taken up the work, and many have done their bit in saving the world for peace. They, too, must be accorded respect and admiration. Primarily, Veterans Day was observed in memory of those who gave their lives for the preservation of the Union in the Civil War. But the purpose has broadened. Until now, the nation pays tribute of flags and flowers to all who place their lives between it and disaster, and families make beautiful the mounds underneath which loved ones wait. Today is Memorial Day. It is not credible to the patriotism or to the political conscience of the American people that for so many persons the entire day is merely an occasion for merrymaking and sports. The desire of the veterans to have a large part of the day devoted to the purpose 
for which it was established should be respected. There will soon be no veterans of the Civil War to be granted privileges. While any remain, therefore, let us forego some of our holiday pleasures in order that the old soldiers may observe Memorial Day as their own anniversary. And again, this was published in the Greenwich News and Graphic on May 30th, year 1924. I'm going to conclude my presentation of Memorial Day observances throughout Greenwich history um, with uh, the year 1932. We have two stories uh, that were published in the Daily News Graphic. Uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut, on Tuesday, May 31st, 1932. It was under the headline, Two Stirring Celebrations Honor Greenwich War Dead. And uh, there are, I guess you could call this, two stories uh, in one. It's quite interesting um, how they decided to uh, to do this. Um, the first one um, involves uh, the Reverend John H. Chapman um, and a uh, speech that he gave at Hevemeyer Auditorium. The other one uh, was Brunswick School headmaster uh, speaking at the Old Greenwich celebration um, in uh, in Old Greenwich. And uh, that, of course, was uh, George uh, Carmichael. He was the headmaster, actually the founder of um, of Brunswick School. So let's start with, um, with Reverend Chapman's. Um, under the headline, it says Reverend John H. Chapman tells audience in Hevemeyer Auditorium that there is no glory in war. Says people make wars by building barriers. Colorful parade, most impressive since war years. Tribute paid to the late GAR, that would be um, Grand Army of the Republic uh, veteran, James Haggerty. And the story goes as uh, follows. Amidst bright sunshine and a large gathering of people who lined the sidewalks of Greenwich Avenue, Greenwich Memorial Day exercises began Monday morning when the colorful and patriotic parade of various local organizations, beginning at 10 o'clock and led by Sergeant Lancaster, the only representative of the GAR, Grand Army of the Republic, participating in the parade, entered the Hevemeyer Auditorium, where a meeting in observance of the memory of those who have died for our country took place. The audience remained standing while the members of the participating organizations filed in and were seated. After selections by the band including Columbia, The Gem of the Ocean, America, Way Down South in Dixie, Tramp, 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 and My Maryland, the audience was led in prayer by Reverend Father J. Donnelly of St. Mary's Roman Catholic Church. The opening remarks of the meeting were made by Leonard S. Clark, president of the Young Men's Christian Association. Mr. Clark said, quote, Today is the day when the entire nation is paying tribute to the memory of those who have fought and died for our country. Our particular interest is in our own group of men who have served, some of whom are absent today. We are simply trying to play, pay tribute to you in our small, humble way, and we wish to tell you in this way, thank you, unquote. Mr. Clark continued by saying that Sergeant Lancaster was the only member of the GAR, Grand Army of the Republic, present, as Mr. Finch was ill at his home and could not attend. Clark requested that a word of greeting be spoken for those who were away. Mr. Bing who, during the Civil War, left Greenwich to go and fight, 
was also present and received a word of tribute. Quote, we are not going to prolong the meeting, continued Clark, but I wish merely to say that we are trying to bridge the gap between the Civil War and the World War. Although there is no Lincoln to give his Gettysburg Address on this Memorial Day, we have the memory of Flanders, Fields, to help us bridge that gap, unquote. Clark concluded his remarks with a word about William Miller. Miller has been decorating the graves for Memorial Day for many years, and has been so diligent in his work that he has been busy many evenings till eight o'clock, seeing that no one was forgotten. Tribute was also played, paid to Frank Clark, who planned the meeting and the parade. Clark then introduced John Kelly of the Havemeyer School, who gave Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Miss Mabel Lees gave a solo recessional by Rudyard Kipling and a flag drill under the direction of Mrs. Roxy Lyman was presented by a group of young girls. The drill received much applause and Mrs. Lyman was complimented for their perfection in drill and execution. Flanders Field was given by Charles Hill, after which Miss Lees favored the audience with another solo, quote, There is no death, unquote. Reverend John H. Chapman of Christ Church and member of the Greenwich Post number 29 delivered the address. Mr. Chapman said that in, that in using the words bridge the gap, unquote, Mr. Clark was right. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address serves to emphasize Flanders Field. Mr. Chapman proceeded to give instances of righteous serving of his country by the late Justice Holmes. He said, quote, There is no glory in war. There is no glory in being down in the hold of a transport four or five stories from the sunlight. There is only hardship and suffering. The war taught us to forget ourselves. It taught us to enlist, not for money or glory, but to make the world safe for our children. Soldiers do not make war. You and I make war. You and I make war by building barriers between people, between nations. The speaker concluded with instances of World War happenings that proved the hardship and bravery of those who took part in it. At the conclusion of the meeting, the audience stood while the bugler from the band played taps in honor of the memory of James Haggerty, who recently passed away. After the meeting had been concluded, several of the bands participating in the parade, which was to follow, rendered selections on the lawn in front of the Havermeyer School, while the various organizations, including the Connecticut American Legion, Girl Scouts, Sea Scouts, Boy Scouts, General Israel Putnam Unit, St. Mary's Band, directed by Roger S. Bikena, 192nd Cavalry Boys Club, and Sergeant Lancaster and Mr. Bing, led by Hunt's Concert Band, assembled for a parade. The itinerary for the parade was as follows. From the Havemeyer School up Greenwich Avenue to Putnam Avenue, along Putnam Avenue to Millbank Avenue, down Millbank to Havemeyer Place, and thence to the town hall. Many people visited the graves of their relatives and friends during the day. 
placing wreaths and flowers on them as their part in the Memorial Day celebration. Now, my next story, or my final one, uh, is, let's see, oh, I just had it here. Where did I put it? Okay, all right. Oh, here it is, yes. Uh, this is the uh, the one with uh, the headmaster of uh, Brunswick School, speaking at Old Greenwich Celebration, says, American people have yet to prove that sacrifices were not made in vain. Flagpole is dedicated in ceremony, which drew multitude. Sound Beach Fire Department sponsored Memorial Day exercises. And the story goes as follows. The American people have yet to prove to the world that countless American boys did not die in vain in five wars, which apparently did not attain their ends, George E. Carmichael, headmaster of the Brunswick School, declared in an oration marking old Greenwich's observance of Memorial Day on the lawn of the First Congregational Church, that village, yesterday morning. Quote, if we as a nation cannot create among foreign nations complete trust in our fairness and goodwill and sincerity, we must expect war, unquote, Mr. Carmichael said. He continued, quote, but I suggest that if we ever have another foreign war, we send all our statesmen and politicians to fight as doughboys in the front line trenches. The exercises followed a parade which formed in front of the old Greenwich Fire Station on Sound Beach Avenue, proceeded to the old Greenwich School, and doubling back, went north on the avenue past Binney Park to Old Greenwich Library, where Reverend Ellen I. Lorimer, pastor of the First Congregational Church, led exercises dedicating a flagpole given by Dan Everett Wald of Old Greenwich. A Union flag display decked both sides of Sound Beach Avenue. Mr. Carmichael declared war, quote, the most futile, the most useless, the least necessary, the least justifiable enterprise that has ever engaged the attention of mankind, unquote. He continued, quote, there never has been a war that was justifiable on both sides, unquote, he said, and he continued, quote, probably there has never been a war that was entirely justifiable even on one side. Unquote. In line as the parade moved north on Sound Beach Avenue, where the pat police patrol of the old Greenwich Fire Department, led by Captain Edwin A. Clark, Howard Rose's Legionnaire Band, a firing squad and a color guard of the American Legion, in charge of Thomas C. Lally, vice commander of the Greenwich Legion Post. Members of the old Greenwich Fire Department, behind Chief Frank R. Gisborne, members of Girl and Boy Scout Troops, the old Greenwich School Drum and Bugle Corps, and children of the old Greenwich School. At the flagpole, the organization representatives gathered about the Wade Gift, while the Reverend Mr. Lorimer, as a preliminary to the dedicatory prayer by Reverend Harley Burdo, pastor of the Community Presbyterian Church, reminded the gathering that Memorial Day was to commemorate, quote, events of sorrow, not happiness, but tragedy. Quote, happiness, humor, and adventure were elements of the World War, but Memorial Day originally was meant to commemorate the men who gave their lives for their country, unquote, Mr. Lorimer said. 
The flag may be made of cotton or of silk, but behind that is the vast tradition and great meaning, which it is our duty to keep before the children, the meaning of that tradition. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the 27th of May, 2020 special Memorial Day episode of the Greenwich Town for All Seasons show podcast, hosted by me, Jeffrey Bingham Mead, a direct descendant of the 17th century founders of the town of Greenwich, Connecticut. Founded on July 18, 1640, Greenwich is one of America's most interesting and extraordinary communities, and you and your Greenwich stories are very much a part of our history. We're very, very glad to have you. Now, the Greenwich Town for All Seasons show podcast is made possible by Peter F. Alexander, landscape architect of Site Design Associates, the Long Island Sound Institute, the Ambassador Museum of the United States of America, Mr. Kevin M.J. O'Connor of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, and listeners like you everywhere. Now, you can always contact me anytime at greenwichatownforallseasons.blogs, or, or at email.com, sorry. That's greenwichatownforallseasons at gmail.com. You can learn more about the show and listen to past shows by going to greenwichatownforallseasons.blogspot.com. Both the show and I are on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, speaking of Facebook, look for and join, join any of uh, a number of the Greenwich, Connecticut groups. These include, quote, you know you're from Greenwich if, images of Greenwich, Connecticut, Greenwich Connections, Byram Neighborhood Association, the Friends of Byram Park, and the Portchester New York Historical Archive, and there's more. Well, I'm so glad that uh, that you could be with me today, and I thank you so much. Our next show is scheduled for Friday, the 3rd of June, 2020. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, stay safe and well, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.